This is the Motion Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information about Motion Church, you can always visit our website at motionchurch.com. If you'd like to contribute to what God is doing here at Motion, you can do that at motionchurch.com forward slash give. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right. What's up, everybody? Hey. Man, I like this church. This we gonna have some we gonna have some fun today. We gonna have a good time. Hey, so we're continuing a series today called Fruiture. And so obviously the idea here is we took two words and we combined them, fruit and future, right? And so what we're after, what we're in pursuit of, what what I want for my life and what I want for your life is for your future to be filled with the fruit that God has in store for us. And we, we kind of obviously were drawn from Galatians chapter 5 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And so really, I mean, it's, it's so simple and yet so difficult, right? That is what we desire. And yet so often, like we talked about last week, we, we tend to, for whatever reason, we struggle, we pursue things that we should not pursue like the works of the flesh that we talked about again last week. So here, let's talk about the, the fruit of the Spirit, what it is. And, and again, what we're after, and then we're going to look at a way that can help us get to the place that I think we desire to be, and more importantly, where God desires for us to be. And so here we go. Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 through 25, it says this, says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Hang on. Before we go, it's the fruit, it's the fruit of the Spirit, not your fruit. It's His fruit. We just have to allow Him to do the work that He does, right? So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you would say that you have all of that in your life that you need? Right? How many of you would say that you could probably use a little bit more of each and every one of those each and every day? Right? I know I know for myself personally, like, love, mm, got to do better. Joy, mm, got to do better. Shelly and I were having a conversation the other day, and she was asking me about, like, you know, my day and things that I did. And I was like, it's good. It's fine. It's good. And she's like, why can't you just be, like, happy? And I'm like, girl, you're happy and my happy are different. They just, they look different. And, and like, what, what I'm not after is happy, but what I am after is joy. I'm after that sustainable, that, that thing, like, because, you know, happiness is fleeting. Happiness is temporal. Happiness is based on a moment or an experience. But joy is, is transcendent. It's greater than all of those. So I need more joy. I need more peace. I need more patience. I need more kindness. I need more goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I really need some more gentleness because I, I tend to be, I can be rough around the edges sometimes, and I would have thought by now that those edges would have been smoothed out, um, but they have not entirely been smoothed out, so I can be a little prickly sometimes, and some of y'all can too, okay, right, and my prickly is going to call out your prickly, prickly, so I thought that was, that was funny, all right, anyway, so what it says, that's 22, is, is the fruit of the Spirit, and then it says this, against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. One version says, let's keep in step with the Spirit. He leads, we follow. And again, it's, it's His Spirit. We're just kind of following and falling in line as we should. So last week, we talked about the difference between the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, and the works of the flesh. And, and so again, this is the path that we choose. We decide which of these two futures we're going to have in our lives. If you're going to have a future that's filled with the fruit of the Spirit, you choose it, and then you allow God to do it, right? 
God, God is waiting for you to give him the room to do what it is that he wants to do. He's not going to force it on you. You have to give him space to do what it is that he wants to do. Now, when it comes to the works of the flesh and those things that we talked about last week, that also you choose. You decide to do those things. And, and I get, I get kind of irritated. I, I was telling the first experience, like, we are so soft as a culture, but even church, like, church people are soft. And we don't like when people tell us things that are truthful uh, because they're hurtful. And, and here's where I'm at. Like, sometimes we need to hurt. So anyway, man, we'll talk about all that stuff later. Anyway, so I don't even know why I got on that and where. Oh, yeah, because we we're talking about, like, the things that we should not be doing. And sometimes we just need, we need people to tell us that, hey, you really should not be doing that thing. And stop getting so offended when somebody tells you to stop doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And they're telling you that because they love you and they care about you and they don't want you to destroy your freaking life. Okay, is that helpful? Good. Good morning. Welcome to Motion Church. Y'all didn't know that was going to happen, did you? Nor were you prepared for this. So our first point for the day is, is well, let me kind of give you some more, some more context. What we're going to look at today is, so, so those are the non-negotiables, right? So when we're talking about the difference between the fruit of the Spirit, which we should pursue, which our future should be filled with, and then you've got the works of the flesh. And it's like, hey, this is what you should choose. This is what you should definitely not choose. Those things are bad. Those things are destructive. Now, there's also kind of, it starts to kind of get, get down even more to, as Nacho Libre would say, the nitty-gritty. It starts to get down to like, hey, there are also good things in your life that you need to, to remove or to cut back if you desire to have the better things, the greater things in your life. And that process is called the process of pruning. And pruning, can we be honest? Like, I'm just, just thinking this seems awfully painful. I can't imagine any part of my life that I would like to cut off with loppers. These are called loppers. I was, somebody asked me if I was going to kill anybody. I was like, no, just cutting off toes. Just cutting off toes. So I heard if you cut off people's big toes, you essentially render them useless, right? You, you lose all of your balance. Anybody, any volunteers? Any, let's go. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. And, and so what we're going to talk about today is, is pruning. Now, pruning, pruning is painful, but pruning is also it's kind of the, the larger concept is that we are forso forsaking and forgetting good for the sake of things that are better and greater. And so let's talk about pruning. Our first point for the day is what we're going to call loppers at the ready. Like we need to be ready to use the loppers. Did you guys know that these were called loppers? How many of you did know that they were called loppers? How many of you did not know that they were? See, education at church. There you go. I'm going to butcher a Greek word later and you learned what loppers are. So life is good. So let's talk about life, lop, loppers at the ready. So to, to, let's set this up properly. I think we need a little bit more context. What we talked about last week, like we said, were the non-negotiables. As it relates to pruning, there are things that we need to cut off that aren't necessarily bad, but help us get to where it is that God wants us to be. And so it's, it's again, kind of forsaking things that are good for the sake of things that are great. Forsaking good for the sake of, that, that fits really well. That, that you should write that down. Forsake things that are good for the sake of things that are great. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5 says this, Jesus talking, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I wish I had a third hand, but I guess I pruned that at some point. That was funny. No? Okay. Fitty, fitty. Somewhere in between. So he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, 
while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So, so in that statement, what you find is like, hey, this is, this is a branch that is, is bearing fruit, but he prunes it, he, he cuts it back so that it can be even more fruitful. It was good, but he desires for it to be great. It says this in verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Like we talked about last week, it's not your fruit, it's his fruit. When we stay connected to him and we give him space to work, that's when we see the fruitfulness come in our lives. It's like the, the, the last song that we were singing, like, won't you come meet me here again? Like, I'm not enough unless you come and meet me here again. I'm not good enough. I'm not capable. And without you, I can do no good thing. So remain in me is also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Like, is that very clear? Is that abundantly clear? Neither of us, none of us can bear fruit unless we remain in him. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? So, so what we're understanding here is that on our own, left to our own devices, we are incapable of producing good. But what we want instead is we want the future that God has for us. And in order to get to that place, we have to stay connected to him. He is the vine. We are the branches, right? And, and what's going to happen as a result of being connected to him is that there are times where there is pruning that is necessary, right? So a couple of things about this passage that I think are really worth pointing out. The first one is that God desires for us to be fruitful. Like that, that's what he wants for us. If you meet people who are comfortable where they, they, they're at and they've been there for a really long time and they have no desire to, to, be, to be any better, to get any better, to see growth and change and progress in their life, then I think they're missing the heart of God. Because what Jesus is after in us and for us is growth, is progress, right? That's why Jesus said in John chapter 10, just a few chapters before this, he was like, hey, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. This abundant life is what I came to bring to you, not just this life that's mundane and minuscule and like you're not ever really changing or being challenged or growing. And so I think, obviously, what I see in that is that God desires for us to be fruitful. The second thing that, that I think I find in this is that, again, he is the one that does the work. We've got to give him the space, but he's the one that does the pruning. I love the picture of God being a gardener. It says, my father is the gardener. I could probably wearing like some really dope overalls. Or, or my personal favorite, what are the, uh, what are the, the straps that old fellas wear? Suspenders. Man, I want some suspenders bad. Shelly won't let me. And I love like old man hats too, and she won't let me do those either. Uh, listen, when I get old, I'm going to be a G. I'm going to Good. Anyway, so when I get older, I guess. So let's talk about some, some of these things. Again, as it relates to pruning, some things that we can learn, things that we can take, take away from this. So one of the things that we learn about pruning is that the word that's used for pruning also is used for the, the idea of cleaning. So it says when he prunes branches, it also would, would indicate that there is a cleaning that's taking place. And, and it kind of makes sense when you think about it metaphorically. Have you ever cleaned out a room to make space for other stuff, like more stuff? Which, you know, like the American problem, right? Like we're just, like we've got stuff coming out of our ears. And so Shelly and I, we are, well, let me be honest. Shelly is currently in the process of, 
updating our furniture, bedroom furniture, like our bedroom suit. What do you call it? Is that what you call it? Bedroom suit? Yeah, so we've got furniture that we've had for a really, really long time. Uh, and she was like, I'm sick of it. I'm ready for something new. And so what you got to do for the new is you got to get rid of the old and make space for the new to come. That's what pruning is, right? You've got to cut off some of the old things. You've got to cut back some of the old things to make space for the new things. And so kind of when you think about pruning in terms of cleaning, it makes a lot of sense. You eliminate unnecessary or unhelpful things for better things, things that are not going to be part of your future, that you don't want to be part of your future. You eliminate those things so that you can have better things in your future, right? One of the things that I love about God, and we talk about this all the time, is how God, the creator, kind of leaves in creation like these, these kind of, you know, breadcrumbs of who he is, his character, his nature, and what we can learn from nature. And what we do with that is like we learn these principles in nature and creation, and then we can transfer those principles over to our spiritual lives. So let me give you some examples of where you find pruning in nature. The most obvious would be like pruning trees, plants, and shrubs, right? You've, you've, we've all seen the, the imagery. How many of you are actually like, gardeners, green thumbs, like you're really good at this stuff? Nobody. Well, the world is doomed. We're done, right? Um, so I love trees, but I ain't no good with them. Like I, I can cut them down. I mean, that's about, that's the best I got, right? Um, so, so as it relates to pruning, like we're familiar with the concept. Most of us are familiar with the concept. I was not very familiar with the concept until uh, several years ago, Shelly and I had a neighbor who was a doofus. Have y'all ever had one of those? I hope you have not. So we were actually, we were caught in between two doofuses. And these doofuses, ironically, hated each other, and we were right in the middle. And then they would just bicker all the time. And I'm like, why y'all got to do it in my driveway? Like, go do it. Go, matter of fact, go play in the street while you're at it. Like a busy street. Like, leave us alone. And so, at any rate, this is my neighbor who I didn't really care to, to listen to his advice because he was such a goober. Uh, he did kind of give me some insight on pruning. And so I didn't realize, like, man, in order to get it to grow, to get it to, to, like, flourish, you actually have to cut it back. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that may be, you know, I was kind of thinking at the time, I'm like, look, I thought you were dumb. You just verified. But then come to find out, he was right, right? You have to, you have to cut these things back at certain times so that they can then grow. And so when we think about, we think about pruning, it seems counterproductive to cut off some of the branches, but that's actually what creates an opportunity for more and better growth, more fruit, more productive, and, and again, kind of the, the growth that we are after. So let's learn some things about pruning as it relates to, and again, kind of the translation to our spiritual lives. Did you know that when you prune, one of the things that you're doing is you're matching the branches to the root system? I thought this was so cool. I didn't know this. And, and so what you find is that, like, plants have a tendency to outgrow their, their root system. And so what happens is left unchecked, what can take place is the branches can grow so wide and, and take on so much life that the, the root system cannot support it. And then it ultimately or eventually dies because the root system, or it's not as fruitful as it could be because it's gotten too big for its britches is how we would say it around here. Right. And I think there's a pretty obvious correlation. I think it's, it's kind of when you think about making sure that we're not bigger than our root system. Like, make sure your relationship with God is at a point where it sustains what's going on on the outside. In a world full of wide, let's pursue deep and effective instead. 
Like, you know, because this is the world that we live in, right? We're in a world that is, is way more interested in, in wide, like how many people you know and how many friends you have and how influential you are. And so often we are not concerned with the depth of anybody's relationship. We're not concerned with, with how effective it actually is. If their root system actually matches their branches, we just, we like wide and we like people who are showy and flashy, right? So, so that's the first thing is that the, the pruning actually matches the plant or the tree with the root system. The second thing is this. Pruning can remove any portions of a tree that have a disease or fungi. I'm so tempted, so tempted to do the fun guy. Y'all know mushrooms, right? They're, they're, I know. Okay, I won't. But somebody came up to me last experience, and they're like, that was so funny. I'm like, y'all stop encouraging that nonsense. So, so pruning can remove any portions that have a disease, fungi, or other types of decay, stopping it from spreading to healthier parts of the tree. And so what you find with pruning is like, hey, you've got an area of your life. You've got this thing in your life that is not healthy. It is rotting. It is, it is destructive. And if you don't take care of it, what it starts to do is it starts to affect the other parts of your life. And, and to me, again, such a very, you know, very clear correlation here. It's like, hey, if I've got this attitude or if I've got this thought or if I've got this habit that's, that's taken place in my life and it is, it is destructive, it is a hindrance to the person that God wants me to be, if I don't take care of it, it's going to start to affect the other areas of my life. It's going to start to affect the relationships in my life, and then it's going to be a whole problem. So pruning eliminates that particular problem. So that's, that's one of the easier things. Uh, so how many of you how many of you like neuro, like neurology and neuroscience? And the brain is so fascinating. How many of you have no interest whatsoever? You're like, nah, right? It works, it works, cool. Um, but does it? So, so I'll be quick, depending on, depending on where you're at with all of this. Have you ever heard of this, this phrase called synaptic pruning? Has anybody ever heard of this? All right, so some of you have. This is really cool. Y'all spend way too much time on YouTube. That's what that means. So synaptic pruning, like a synapse, is basically thinking your brain of like a toll booth, right? And so what it is, it's at a certain point, like neurons are trying to send signals to certain areas of the brain, and the synapse is like, mm, pass or no pass, right? Do you have 75 cents to pay the toll or do you not? If you don't, boy, get gone. You've not been down a toll lately, right? If you've ever been down the, the Indian Nation Turnpike, I'm like, why? man, y'all getting rich. Like, I mean, they're not, but it's just like, why do I feel like every 30 seconds I'm stopping and giving y'all money? Uh, so the, the synapse is like a toll booth, and it decides whether or not that, that your brain is going to waste energy, send signals and chemicals to another part of your brain. And so what happens as you grow, as you mature, as you get older, your brain realizes it's like, hey, I don't need those things anymore. They helped me at a certain point in my life, but they're not helping me at this point in my life because I'm grown up. I'm not a child any longer. And so it stops, it prunes, sending signals to those parts of the, isn't that, right? If it's not, it's because your synapses aren't sending signals to the cool part of your brain that tell you that that was awesome. So I, the way I see that is like, man, that makes so much sense. It's like the things that I used to think and the patterns of thinking that I used to have and the attitudes that I used to have, maybe they help me get to where I am now, but they're not going to help me get to where it is that I need to be. So, so some pruning may be in order. And so I think, you know, again, as we mature, we prune ways of thinking that are no longer helpful. That, sh that should preach, right? That should be one of those things that's like constantly being aware of the way that we think and, and the energy that's in our brain. 
We'll talk about that stuff more in a minute. So let's look at, we're going to answer three basic questions about pruning and, and how this stuff applies to our life. Do you guys remember, I feel like we learned this pretty early on, maybe elementary, and it's like the who, what, when, where, and why. And if some of y'all got stuck on the why, and you're like, why, why, why? And if you ask why all the time, you're just, why me? Y'all know, listen, I like, I'm a why person, because like, I want to know why, but I'm going to ask like one or two whys, and then either I'm on or I'm out, right? Uh, and if you just keep asking why, just like, get gone. Anyway, just my personal strong opinion. A strongly worded email that I then deleted, right? So, so let's, let's ask three questions. We're not going to go cover all five, but let's talk about the why, the when, and the what. So let's, let's start with why we should prune. Why pruning? Not prune like in the grapes, but, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like prunes, dates, beets, grapes, right? I mean, those are all connected. They all look the same to me. I'll just be real honest with you, right? So let's talk about why pruning. So beyond some of the ideas that we've already discussed, I think there are a few more reasons that we should embrace pruning. The first one is this, and this is, this is so good. Without the pruning, we remain all foliage and no fruit. Without the pruning, we're, we're all show and no go. We're, we're all, and, and man, this is what is so unfortunate about this is this is kind of, again, what we celebrate in our society. We, ce- we celebrate people who look the, the part, they look the thing, they look the way, but they don't necessarily have to be the thing, the way, the part. And what we should emphasize instead is, is the fruit and not just the foliage. Man, I don't care if you got a bunch of leaves, like, do you have fruit? And church people are the worst about this. Like, we act like we come in, and, and it's like, hey, I want everybody to see my leaves and all the, the stuff that I have going on in my life, and, and man, it's so good. It's perfect. I don't have any problems. I'm going to come into church and pretend like I have never, ever, ever had a problem in a single day in my life, and my kids are perfect, and I know you're lying. Like, I just, like, when you start telling me that your kids ain't got no problems, I know you a lie. The devil is a lie, and you look like him. So, so it's, it's in church, for whatever reason, like we have a tendency, it's a trap that we can fall into, and I think it's because we collectively celebrate the wrong things. Like, and, and I'll contribute to this. Like I am a part of the problem, right? I think we collectively celebrate the wrong things. We are drawn to wide when, when deep and effective are what it is that we should be after, right? Like we mentioned before. We're interested by people who, again, are showy and have all the foliage and, and have all of the, you know, the followers and the, 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 the frenzy and all of the things that look right, we like flashy when faithful is the objective, right? And that's the problem. Like, we're so fascinated by people who are flashy and showy, and, and what I would be much more interested in long-term are people who are consistent and not flaky, and people who are, are not with their flash also going to take all of your hopes, dreams, and expectations with them when they're gone. How about that? Let's go for faithful instead of flashy. So, so that's one of the reasons we prune is because if we don't, it's, it's all about the show. And what we need to do is cut some of that back and make sure that we're being fruitful. Don't be all show and no go. Another reason that we prune is that it's the only way to experience the new growth that we desire. So, so as we were singing one of the songs last night, I get, I get the order confused sometimes. The second song, is it called New Thing? Ironically, it's called New Thing. And in the bridge of that song, it talks about how we're ready for new things to come and I'm, I'm ready for the past, the past to pass. And, but we, here's the thing. We don't get to experience the future until we're, we're ready, ready and willing to relinquish the past. You don't get the new things while you're holding on fiercely to the old things. 
That's not the way that it works. And so what, what we find with God is he's not going to rip the old out of your hands. You have to surrender them. You have to let them go. You have to lay them down at his feet. And that's when you get to experience the new. And, and let's be honest, like new can be uncomfortable. New is terrifying sometimes because we're so comfortable with the old. It's, it's like I was thinking about this earlier. Y'all ever have like something in your house that's just ugly? That, I mean, be honest, like it has no business being in your house, but it's been there so long that you are comfortable with how ugly it is. It doesn't even bother you any longer. And, and I think what happens in our lives is sometimes there are things that are ugly that, that shouldn't be there, but it's been around so long that we're comfortable with it. And instead, what we need to do is embrace the uncomfortable for a little while so that we can experience the new, right? So that is why we should prune some of the ideas. Obviously, this is not like it's, it's the abridged version, not the unabridged version. So let's talk about the next question. When should we prune? So I didn't know this. Basically, I'm a YouTube expert at this point on pruning. Uh, actually, I'm a Google expert on pruning. Uh, did like 30 minutes of research in total on, on pruning trees and whatnot. Um, there are actually, dude, you can, it is a wormhole. I didn't realize. So there are the, the three laws of pruning and the ways that you prune. And then there are the, the five, there's like, they, like people have all of these systems on ways that you should prune. And here's what's so frustrating. Like when you dive into a subject, it's like everybody, all of the experts have competing ideas. And I'm like, who's right? I don't even know what to do. It's so confusing. So one thing I found out in my extensive, exhaustive research of pruning is that there is timing as it relates to pruning, like when you should prune. So with certain trees, it's better to cut them in, in certain times of the year. For example, I know that a lot of the trees, apparently it's better to cut them in the winter, and you have a more fruitful spring. If you do that, if you cut it too late in the season, then it takes too long for it to grow like it's supposed to, so you don't have a very fruitful spring and summer. Does that make sense? So the point is that there is a timing to when we should prune. As it relates to our spiritual lives, I think that there, there's timing also. I think there's a time that we should do certain things. It talks about in Ecclesiastes, it's like, hey, there's a time for everything and a season for everything. Sometimes, you know, you, you live and sometimes you die. There's a, there's a season for each of those types of things. And it goes on to, you know, the list goes on and on. So I have a couple of thoughts on the timing of when we should prune. The first one is this. It's, it's time to prune when you feel convicted. That was a strong statement, right? You know what? Again, this is, where, this is where I was thinking about church people being soft. Like, we don't even like the word conviction any longer. Um, we have, we've stripped our lexicon of the word conviction, and now we call it like, well, the, the, it's a nudge from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's a kick in the pants, right? Sometimes, like what, what it is, is when we are convicted, it is God himself through the Holy Spirit telling us, don't ruin your life. Don't pursue this. It's not going to help you get where I want you to be. And there are consequences to come. And it's not my doing. It's your doing. You're the one that's choosing this. So please, for the love of God, don't do that thing. That's what conviction is. And we can't even call conviction conviction anymore because everybody's so sensitive. And everybody's so dadgum. So you can't even call sin sin even though it's called sin, right? You have to call it. It's a struggle. Well, I'm struggling with sin. That is the struggle, right? That's what, I'll be out here struggling with sin. Call it what it is. And so we should, we should prune when we feel convicted. We call it other things. It's that still, small voice. Sometimes it's yelling, and it's still and small because you've turned the volume down. Right? 
Sometimes it is so loud and so clear, and it's because, now there are, I 100% believe and agree that there are times that it's subtle, and it is small, and, and it's just like this check, we call it a check in your spirit, right? And so at the end of the day, the bottom line is, like, if you are convicted by the Holy Spirit of God, who is convicting you so that you don't make a decision that is going to wreck your life, listen and prune, listen and prune when he speaks to you, right? I believe that God convicts us when it's time to allow certain parts of our walk to be removed. It's our job to respond in obedience. And, and all we have to do, what we have to do is we just have to surrender. God is the gardener, right? He's the one that does the pruning. We just have to surrender. So that's the first time, the this, this season in terms of timing, when to prune. The second one is this. It's, it's a good time to prune when you realize that something is no longer helpful. It's a really good time, and, and I don't think this is any less spiritual. Sometimes you might think, oh, well, that's just part of the process as we grow and mature, but I think that God is the one who gives us wisdom. I think that God is the one who gives us discernment, and so there will be kind of an awareness of things in your life because of discernment, because of wisdom, that these things are no longer helpful, and therefore, I no longer need these things. Well, it's part of, again, kind of this spiritual maturation. It's like, hey, maybe this helped me get to where I am, but this isn't going to help me get to where it is that I desire to be. And more importantly, again, as always, where God desires us to be. If, if you have something in your life that just isn't helpful any longer and that has become clear to you, maybe it's time for some pruning. Let me give you, I'll give you an example. Like there are like certain ways of thinking that may have helped you get to where you are, but they're not going to be fruitful and productive in terms of your future. Then maybe it's time to let those, those things go. Maybe the way that you talk, maybe it helped you get to where you are, but you need to remove those things. Maybe a relationship was helpful for a season, but it's no longer helpful. We'll talk about that more in a minute. So that's the, the when to prune. We've got why to prune, when to prune. And the last one is what to prune. I find it so fascinating. How many of you like being told what to do? Right? Oh, but I don't know anybody that likes being told what to do. Like, we, we have, I believe, by nature, our sinful, rebellious nature, like when people tell us what we should or should not do, we're, we're resistant to that, right? And, and yet, in spite of the fact that nobody likes being told what to do, uh, so many times what we want to be told what to do, right? And so when we come to church, a lot of times people are like, man, I don't need all this other stuff. Just tell me what to do. I need the brass tacks. I need, I need the application. And so my response to that or my belief in that is like, it is not my responsibility to tell you specifically what to do. I am not the Holy Spirit. That is, that is his job. That is not my job. It is my job to convey like principles of truth, right? These, these ideas of truth that you then pursue and God works out all of the, the very fine details of what it looks like specifically for you. And so as it relates to pruning, like I'm not going to tell you what you should prune in your life. I'm not going to go through every, you know, detail and aspect of your life and like yes and no and yes and no and yes and no. We're not going to make a checklist and we're not going to like throw out and discard based on my opinion. That's not my job, right? That's for you to do the hard work of figuring that out through God's help, what needs to be pruned and what does not need to be pruned, right? Good. Okay, good. So I have three thoughts on things that, that we could prune. These are generalities. So we're going to come in hot. First thing, in terms of what you could prune, you might need to prune a relationship. Gosh, that sounds so harsh, doesn't it? Right? Like, man, you might need to cut somebody off. I didn't say kill them. I said cut them off. There is a difference. 
And, and you know what? Like, because we've gotten so soft, like, the resistance to that would be, well, Jesus loves people. And it would be so unloving for me to cut somebody off because Jesus loves people. He loves them. Well, let me, let me help you out. First off, you're not Jesus. That is not your responsibility, and that is above your pay grade. And, and secondly, like this one, it, it makes so much sense to me when I think about it like this. Jesus does love people. You're one of them. He loves you so much that if you are in a relationship with somebody that is destructive and not healthy and keeping you from him, he does not want you to be in that relationship. So if they are keeping you from him, he doesn't mind if that relationship is cut off. He still loves them. It's just that you don't necessarily have to love them like that. You, and you can love, here's, this is one of the most powerful, impactful things that I've learned over the years. You can love people at a distance. Like, I can love you, but I can let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you too, right? I can love you in theory, but you don't have to have anything to do with my life and any impact or effect or influence on my life. I can love you, but that doesn't mean I can't get you gone. And man, that's so freeing. You don't know, because like, this is what happens. Because we love people, we carry and we drag dead weight for years. And if, I thought that was interesting. You guys, not so much. All right, so, so to prune, this is, this is also helpful. I could, man, we could do a whole series on this, like just pruning relationships. So, so to prune relationships, I think it's important kind of, a, there's a distinction here between the types of pruning. One of the things would be to cut it off entirely, right? It's a branch that bears no fruit, so I'm cutting it off. And Jesus even went so, as, so far as to say he's going to throw it into the fire, right? Vicious, savage, because, you know, here's your nice Jesus with all of his pleasantries. He didn't do anything like savage and harsh. He did. He's both. He's full of grace and truth. And so there are some relationships that you cut off, like off, eliminate, but there are other relationships that you cut back, right? And it doesn't mean that you don't have anything to do with them. It doesn't mean that you aren't still trying to lead and, and influence them. But what, what it means is maybe you have allowance, you've allowed them to influence you more than you should have, and so maybe you need to cut that back so that you can be a better influence on them and stop letting darkness influence light when it's light's job to influence darkness. Hello. Preach, 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 or preach, right? It's stop. I'll say it one more time. One more time again for the people on the right. So it's not, it's not light's job to be influenced by darkness. It's light's job to influence the darkness. And so sometimes if the darkness has influenced the light, we got to cut it back, right? And we got to brighten things up so that we can then, you understand what I'm saying. What I love about Scripture is that I, this is so helpful. It gives us exceptions, right? How many of you, how many of you are legal? We talked about legalism a few weeks ago. How many of you like loopholes? I, f I found one. I got one for us. You want me to share it with you? Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it says this. If, if it's possible, there's our loophole, right? So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. When it says, if it's possible, you know what that means? It's not always possible. And so there are some people, if you've done everything that you can do, as much as it depends on you, if it ain't working, gone, right? Bug on, stiff arm, husband, whatever you got to do. Like, they, they don't have to be part of your life. If it's destructive, if it's toxic, it's not leading you to where you know you need to be and where God desires for you to be. So it is okay. It is okay to prune some relationships, whether that is cutting them off or cutting them back. That's not for me to decide. That's for you 
by listening to the Spirit of God, that's for you and he to decide what, what needs to happen in your life. So that's, that's one of the what's that we could prune. Another what that we could prune, sometimes we need to prune some bad habits. And, man, this is so obvious, right? But, but we pick up things along the way that we know are not helpful, and yet we continue to allow them to stick around. And, and in reality, it's like, hey, we should cut those things back or we should cut those things off so that the new can come and we have this opportunity for new growth in our life. But we don't get the new growth if we're not willing to cut off the old dead weight. If, if we're doing things that bring conviction or things that aren't helpful, then maybe it's time to prune. And let me help you out. Like, this, is, this is very helpful for all of us, right? As it relates to habit, the habits, the longer that you do it, the more you're around it, the more you're exposed to it, the less listening you are doing in terms of conviction, right? It's, it's one of those things, again, it's been around for so long that you just start to excuse it. It's, it's one of those things we do, like, with, with attitudes or personalities or ways of thinking. What we do is like, oh, well, that's just, that's kind of who I am, right? That's just part of who I am. It's part of my personality. My parents were like that, so I'm like that. And what you're doing is you're excusing away a habit that's keeping you from becoming the person that God wants you to be. And so instead of excusing it, maybe we should prune it, right? Isn't it incredible that, that we don't realize what's on the other side of our willingness to be to, to give up those things. We don't understand the blessing that we find in obedience if we're willing to prune some of those habits. The last thing, the last what that we should prune would be sometimes you need to prune your stinking thinking. Stinking thinking, right? Pruning thoughts. Now, here's what we know about thoughts. We know that we don't necessarily have control over the thoughts that pop into our head. What you do have control of is whether or not you dwell on those thoughts. I believe that you have the authority, you have the power, you have the capability to decide what you do with the thoughts that pop into your head. Now, if you want to go down, if you want to build a life around those thoughts and you want to dwell on those thoughts and you want to allow them to, to come into your life and set up camp, that is the decision that you make. Or you could prune those thoughts and say, hey, this isn't helpful. This isn't something that's beneficial. This isn't something that's going to lead me down the path that I believe that God has for me. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to lop away, right? I'm going to cut, cut, cut away. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says this. It says, we are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. I love that, that intro, right? It says, we are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And then it says this, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so what you find in this idea is like a thought, you may not have control over, over a thought that comes in when it comes in and what it is, but you do have control over what happens next. A, do you take it captive? Do you make it a prisoner? Do you put handcuffs on it? And you say, you are not going to have effect in my life. You're not going to have influence in my life. Or you just let that thing run free, run wild, run rampant. And here's what's so interesting about thoughts. Like, so you've probably seen some of the, if you like the neurology stuff. So thoughts actually become, they, they, they take roots. The longer you allow them to stay and they become rooted into our brain like a tree root system. And so once it's rooted into your brain, it is incredibly difficult to get out. So what you do instead, instead of letting it take root, you take it captive and you say that you have no part in my life, in my thoughts, and the way that I am and who I'm going to be. I'm going to prune my thoughts. And so that's the last what that we should prune. Hope that was helpful. Good. That was so encouraging. Man, just filled with enthusiasm and excitement. Now, don't come in now like you, you know better than that. 
So you know what my, this is my prayer. And I want to like make very clear what my prayer for us is. Kind of when we hear a message like this, you can probably go one of two ways. You're like, man, that's harsh. Like that's, that's not something that's easy. That's not something that I want to do. Um, or you're, you're convicted and you realize the parts of your life that do need to be pruned. And it has nothing to do with, with me and my thoughts, but it's ultimately about Jesus and what he wants for you and the things that he's showing you and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom and discernment to see the things in your life that need to change. So here's my prayer for all of us is, is first and foremost that God would show us areas in our life that need to be pruned. Like these things in our life that, that either need to be cut off or things that need to be cut back, that we would have eyes to see what it is that we need to see so that we can become the people that he wants us to be. And if it's poetic, it's got to be true. So that's the first thing, that, that we would see what needs to be pruned. And then the second thing is, is that we would have the courage and the audacity to actually get about the pruning. That, that we would have the courage to cut off things in our life that don't need to be there any longer. That we would have the courage to, to remove thoughts, habits, even relationships that aren't helping us become the people that God wants us to become. That is what I pray for us, that we see and we do, that we're not just hearers of God, God's word, but we are doers also. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for, for making so clear what your desire for us is. Our desire or your desire for us, God, is to know you as we are known by you. God, that, that we love you because you first loved us. And then, God, ultimately to make you known in the world that you've entrusted to us, that you put us in. God, and we do that by being fruitful. God, that we make you known. When people see us, God, we pray that they see you, that they see love and joy and peace and patience and, and all the rest. God, and I'm just convinced that that only happens when we're willing to, to prune, when we're willing to cut back and cut off the things that don't belong. God, we know it's difficult. We know that that is not an easy thing, but it is such a rewarding thing. When we get to the end of our lives, God, and we look back, and we realize what we were able to accomplish and what you were able to do through us because of the things that we, that we were willing to let go and not hold on. God, help us to see what needs to be proved and give us the, the faith and courage to do the proof. In Jesus' incredible name we pray and everybody say, amen.